You guys, so look, we are so excited to share with you episode one of The Tiger King, which, girl, for sure was like the most requested series we ever did, right? Yeah, I thought Don't F with Cats was the most requested, but this definitely uh, was way more requested. And look, I didn't like either of them, if I'm a spoiler. <laughs> but you love our episodes. Our episodes are ridiculous. Right. I sort of honed in with Carol Baskin. She's, she's a real piece of work, you guys. She's just, it's just, it's all so funny to her. Seven episodes of that, you guys. Look, I we, covering this was insane. It, it is the, one of the craziest stories I've ever seen. We're thrilled to share it with you. All seven episodes are available right now, ad-free on the Patreon. There's also a bonus episode where Jillian and I like take the questions from the listeners and the comments, and it gets crazy, and we give our opinions. Um, And you know, on the Patreon, you guys, is where you find all of the series you've always wanted us to cover. So, girl, it's like making a murderer, serial... Yeah. The Staircase, uh, Don't F with Cats, Jinx. Lacey Peterson, Menendez Murders. You're too fast for me. I'm like, I can't. Oh, OJ. Yeah. I don't know why I always get tasked with the OJ stuff. <laughs> but it's 140 full bonus episodes to download a bitch right this second at the $5 level. Go check it out and subscribe if you're looking for more laughs. Yeah. And uh, we're going to check in with you at the end and say bye. We are going to say bye. Don't leave us, you guys. We love you. We, we, need, we need all of the companionship we can get in these hard and trying times. Hey, girl. Um. Okay, girl. I know we're starting the Tiger King today, and we're very excited. I have something to tell you. Well, excited is one word, but yes. What What do you have to say? <laughs> girl, the house that we're staying in in Western Massachusetts, I think it's haunted. Really? I think this house is fucking haunted. Really? Tell me more. Tell me more. First of all, this house is very well loved by its owners, but it's this old, old cottage in the woods, and like I keep having these moments where I see little things out of the corner of my eye, and then the other night at like 2.33 a.m. I got up and I walked into the kitchen to get some water and there was fully a man sitting at, at the table. You know that 3 a.m. is like the actual witching hour, right? The witching hour. Yeah, and it was so weird. I walked out there and I can see this man vividly in my brain even now. Like there was a man, like an older man, like a heavy set guy in like a pair of like green, almost like army pants and a button down green shirt. And I saw him and I sort of looked away and then I looked back and he was gone. But he was fully fucking there. Yeah. He was fully fucking there. You, you want to do something crazy? crazy maybe maybe not what look at if they have any photos in that house or any photo albums and see if that guy looks familiar and then never sleep again I know. Look, <laughs> if you look look see if anyone looks a little familiar all right i'm gonna look i fully saw a ghost in this house fully 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 huh? what are you gonna do you know they're here you gotta either make friends or ask them to leave or i don't know just hope they're one of the good ones i, I don't know, know. <laughs> Wait, did you have something to tell me too? It had nothing to do with that. It's just we've been in quarantine for so long. <laughs> and it's the right thing to do. But, you know, like we used to record TCO like clockwork. TCO Wednesday yeah. night, 530, going to Midtown. That was like when you're a freelancer, all the days yeah. blur together anyway. Like we don't have weekends. <laughs> what are bank holidays? People are off on random Mondays throughout the year. Right. What the hell is that about? I know nothing about that life. I never have. So that was a little anchor point for me. So my only kind of point of reference is like, okay, well, we've been in quarantine for like three Natalie Holloways. <laughs> And now we're starting Tiger King. Like, my point of reference for how long we've been here is how many weeks we've been covering.
covering a certain thing. Wait, so you guys, today we're, we're starting Tiger King, right? Episode one, not your average show. I just want to know, how are you feeling? Um, If this doesn't end with like an actual, like a call to action that this shit needs to change, then are we just glorifying these pieces of shit? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be happy. I'm already unhappy, but I, I, I'm asking, could we maybe just have like a call for change? Or is it just going to be a circus of maniacs? If they don't, we shall. How about that? Oh, I will. Oh, b- oh believe you me. <laughs> On that note, do you want to get us started? I guess. So there are like a lot of people in this series. That's and true. we meet every last one of them like now, it feels like. I'm sure there's more to come. But we just are meeting a lot of people. Yeah. So it just starts with like all of these people who like own and breed wild exotic animals that should be in the wild, like lions and tigers and bears, like actually lions and tigers and yeah. bears and all these animals. And they're like, Animal people are nuts, man. And I might be one of them people. I don't know. But they're all half out there, man. They're crazy. Animal people are crazy. (laughs) And then, like, there are news reports saying... Here is a fact that may make you stop for a second. There are more captive tigers in the U.S. today than there are in the wild throughout the world. There are more captive tigers in the U.S. than there are in the wild, which should make you furious. Yeah, I mean, it kind of really starts. We hear like a, a call from jail. It's Joe Exotic, and we hear him on the phone from prison. You know what that guy's been with? 79 years. I went to work every day prepared to die in a tiger cage. But then we see footage of him in a tiger cage. This tiger jumps on his leg and just starts dragging him around the cage. Good. Yeah. That's what tigers do. I'm sorry. Look, you're going to hear me say this a lot. That's what tigers do. I have the Italian hands. That's what they do. But, I mean, do we need to go back to, like, Grizzly Man? Like, bears can't murder people. They can only have dinner. Yeah. Or they can can only react the way they know how. If they're being poked and prodded or their cubs being taken away, they're going to react in a certain kind of way. And look, God bless them. And also, the... These animals look starving to me all the time. When people start getting their arms ripped off, who's surprised? Not me. Yeah, I think these animals are majestic and amazing. I get it. I get it. I want to be near them too. I'm sure if I was a kid in Winniewood, Oklahoma, I'd be like, can we go? Like, I would think that was cool. And then you grow up and learn like, oh my God, this is actually torture for them. But they just look like they have dead eye. I can't. Can we? We're two seconds in. We got to (laughs) go. All right, so we jump from that prison phone call. It says five years earlier, Homestead, Florida. And I have, like, there's just two men lugging this fucking python out of a fucking garage. And I just have no bitch. I have the word lugging, too. I love when our notes sync up like that. I mean, that thing looks like it weighs 89 pounds. This thing is 400 feet long. You know how you have the cockroach thing where it's like you see a cockroach on the street and they're in your mouth, they're in your hair? That's me and snakes. That's my mom and snakes. You know, my, my mom has a thing where she says sometimes she'll walk into a room and like assume a snake is going to be there like she like the fear for her is very very real I love your mother and something to shock our listeners when I was a little kid I used to love to go into the woods and look for little gardener snakes what I was like obsessed with them I know I would like dig for bugs and shit am I talking to the man have you been possessed by the man at the kitchen counter or the kitchen table earlier this is not you I know. I feel like and then I discovered like Rainbow Bright and My Little Pony and my life changed for the better. Yeah. And then Judy walked into your life and you were like, hey, girl. But so basically, I kind of love a documentary like this where like the filmmaker is setting out to do one thing and then something happens and it completely changes like the course of what they're doing. When I started this project, I had no idea it would consume five years of my life and end up as ugly as it did. It all began when I was investigating a notorious reptile dealer in South Florida. A guy showed up one day wanting to buy a venomous snake. 
When he was leaving, he said, check out what I just bought. In the back of this guy's van was a snow leopard. His name is Eric Good, and he's the filmmaker and, and narrator sometimes. Yeah. And so we get this image. And look, I don't love, I don't have the fear like you and my mom do with snakes. I don't love them. But even watching this, like people buying snakes from Tupperware, I was just like, those poor snakes. I know. Like, they just shouldn't be there. I don't want to be near them, but I want them to be where they should be. Good, right? Just live in the <laughs> desert or the jungle or wherever. Like, go do your snake thing. That's right. fine. But it shouldn't be in Tupperware. And so I'm also thinking like, so you just gave up on the, on the reptiles? Right. <laughs> right. Because what happens is, like, this reptile dickhead who's buying this snake off the black market is like, oh, you should also come see what I have in the back of my car. So Nick, the filmmaker, follows him outside, and the guy opens the van door, and there's a snow leopard in a cage. A snow leopard. A snow leopard in Florida. Everyone let that sink in. I know. It's 100 degrees. People, you don't leave dogs in hot cars for this reason. Right. The inside of a car gets so hot in 45 seconds flat. Right. And the filmmaker says to the guy... Do they need to be refrigerated? Or, I mean, you know, because they, they're acclimated in Florida, you know, if they're born and raised here in Florida. Are these as rare as uh, the clouded leopard? These are rarer than the clouded leopard. Wow, like I mean, everyone can't believe it. Like snow leopards are very rare, and he's like, oh "Doesn't that need to be refrigerated?" And he's like, "Nah, if they're bred and raised in Florida, they acclimate." Look, I'm just gonna say this here: these people who are dealing with these animals and raising these animals and having these like private zoos, these are not fucking people who went to school for like zoology or like animal husbandry or whatever <laughs> it is that you study to know what animals need. Absolutely, these people don't have experience. They haven't studied animal behavior. They haven't studied what these animals really truly need. Right. Like, if you want to mimic the real natural habitat of a tiger in Oklahoma, how do we do that so that we can really give it the best life? Right. No. And the thing is, there are sanctuaries all over the country and the world who do this, who rescue animals from assholes like Joe Exotic or the idiot who bought the tiger and then realized they can't raise it. These sanctuaries house these animals because they can't go back into the wild because they can't survive because there's a snow leopard born in Tampa Bay, Florida or whatever. Right. And so, or like foxes taken from fur farms and all this stuff. And then they house them and give them a life because they can't go back into the wild. No one we meet in this, not even Carol, they're not doing that. So now we're in Winwood, Oklahoma, you guys. It's Winniewood. It's Winniewood. A Winniewood. It's spelled like Winwood, but it's Winniewood. Don't come. I please. <laughs> I'm keeping every second of that in. You guys, we're in Winniewood, Oklahoma, and we meet Joe Exotic. I literally have, he's holding a baby tiger. What on earth. Yeah, so he has this tiger cub and I think this filmmaker leaves a lot to be desired. I'm going to say it right from the beginning. Yeah. But there are a couple moments where I'm like, oh, this was made for us because yeah. the filmmaker <laughs> gives us stuff like this where he like wants Joe's out to like take his hat off for the interview and he's like Oh, you don't want to take it off. <laughs> your, whole, your, whole, your, your whole audience will say Oh my God, that guy has a mullet. No, I like it. I like it. <laughs> They're going to think I have a mullet. And I'm like, I hate you anyway, mullet or not. It's kind of just unbelievable. And then we're getting this B-roll. We're following Joe Exotic around and he's just petting these huge tigers. Oh my God, you're muddy. You're muddy, my sexy tiger. You raised these from These were grown up in my house, yep. So we've got like eight of them in there now. You guys, I don't understand why these people think that these tigers think like humans. Like, just because these animals are nice to you in this moment doesn't mean their mood isn't going to change in two seconds and they're going to chew your fucking leg off. Well, that's the thing you can always bank on, right? That one day they will just remember their tiger instincts. Even if you're a snow leopard raised yeah. in Florida, there's something inherently in them that they're going to be like, one, I'm hungry, or two, I just don't like this person. Why am I in a cage? Right. Why am I not where I should be? <laughs> and you know what? You fucking do have a mullet. Now that we're on the subject, now that we're here, you have a mullet, you <laughs> dumbass. 
He's so gross. He's disgusting. And he's just like sitting for this interview and he's saying like, Does it feel good to stand on my stage with 500 pound tires and everybody envy you? Absolutely. Okay. I would be the biggest liar if I said no. We get this a lot from these dumbass men with clearly the smallest penises, <laughs> like very small peni happening because they all say in either directly like this or in some other way, oh, but the attention it gets me. Everyone thinks I'm the coolest guy in the room. Uh-huh. Everyone wants to be friends with the guy who holds a tiger. Nobody wants that. Like, I mean, any rational person who thinks this through for five seconds knows they can't raise a fucking tiger. Nobody wants your life, Joe Exotic. Nobody wants your life with you and your two weird husbands and your three albums. Girl, and- we'll get into the music, but there's... There's no way he's singing. There's no way he's singing. There is no way he's singing. I totally agree. I have the restriction I've had on not side googing. It's been killing me. Like I can feel I know, it in my I know, soul. Like I know. The, the need to goog. I'm not doing it. But as I live and breathe, there's no way he's singing those goddamn horrible songs. No way. But like you know, the filmmaker too. He's like baiting Joe Exotic. He's asking him like they're walking around. They're in a tiger cage, and he's like, "Do you feel like you have a special bond with the animals?" Very emotional connection between me and these cats. Extreme. This is his deal right now. I mean, his whole deal is about just wanting petted and loved on. In that moment, the tiger tries to bite his hand off. Did you see that? Absolutely, I did. And eventually, the animals will eat you. Like, that's what always happens. And I'll feel nothing. I'll probably go on the happier side of feeling nothing, if I'm being right. honest with you. <laughs> so we're at Joe Exotic's zoo. And now we start to meet, like, the band of misfits. And I don't mean to say that in a disparaging way. Like, the people that this guy has hired are all damaged, like, troubled people. And we learn later, like, he does that on purpose. But the first one we meet is Eric Cowie. His title is Head Keeper. I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but... When I got here, I was uh, I was on kind of the end of my ropes. I found this place on Craigslist and I'm like, man, I ain't never done this shit before. What the fuck? Let's go. And now look at me. I'm doing tiger shows. He was at the end of his ropes, plural. So he was having a rough go of it. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we're going to get into this. I think it's the next episode. Help people who need help. If someone's sort of went off their path and they need some help, that's fine. But the point is, I will always go back to, they have no experience dealing with these animals. Exactly. I mean, I have that same note right here. Give these people jobs. 100% give them jobs. But please don't put them in front of wild animals and then hand this wild animal to a child. Right. Am I crazy? <laughs> so we meet John Ranky. He's a manager. Yeah. He has two metal legs put a pin in that we'll get right back to them (laughs) i don't know why i'm not laughing because he has two metal legs i just it was a funny way you said it because you know we're thinking the tigers ate those legs right one million percent like obviously the tigers ate the legs i mean clearly We'll get back to it. Right. And then we meet Rick Kirkham. He's the producer of Joe TV. And, you know, of oh course, like, he worked in garbage media in the 90s. We see this, like, videos of Bill O'Reilly being like, If you watch us often, you know one of our reporters, Rick Kirkham, is nuts. With a mere touch of the flame, it was instant Kirkham kebab. Hey, Mike, get the charcoal. You know, I've done a lot of shit in my life, but I've never experienced anything like Joe Exotic. This guy's crazy. Watch, he'll set himself on fire, and then he does. And then he does. I was like, what? I know. This guy, Rick Kirkham, his whole point is that, like, Joe was broadcasting. He had, like, an internet TV station, and he would do these, like, daily broadcasts, and, like, it would reach 80 people. And then I came on board and, like, made it look like a real TV show, and then all of a sudden, apparently, Joe TV became, like, a big thing. And then they had 84 people. Like, who cares? (laughs) So now we meet Saf, and Saf is an animal keeper, and we have to go into this for, like, a couple seconds here. Yeah, important points to be made. Yeah, so Saf is an animal keeper and Saf is here to say like Joe is an entertainer by nature he was pretty much the star of his own show 
Meeting him in person definitely solidified that. Joe was the star of his own show. Saf has one arm. Mm-hmm. The documentary didn't really do right by Saf here. Saf's pronouns are he, him. Yeah. And Saf is consistently misgendered in this documentary, whether by like Joe Exotic or the news media or whatever. So we're just going to say Saf and we're going to say he because Saf is a he and that's the end of that story. Right. <laughs> Wait, so here's my question about Saf. Did you notice that Saf was missing an arm in the first episode? Because I did not. I have in my notes, he with like eight E's also just has one arm. We meet him right after we meet the guy with the metal legs and I'm like uh, uh, yeah, is this yeah. like where's Waldo of like should I be looking for missing limbs moving forward now I did not notice that but anyway put another pin in this we'll get back to how Saf lost his arm and Saf is also one of the most level headed people in this documentary one million percent Saf a million percent knows who he is it has a plan for everything and Saf is also like for Joe the zoo was his stage it was the one place he could shine he could control every aspect of it from the start of the day to the end of the day he filmed everything You know, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, Joe Exotic filmed everything, which is also how we have all of this, like, crazy B-roll of the lions basically eating people. But, like, (laughs) Joe Exotic filmed everything, even eating lunch by himself at the picnic table. (laughs) The trashy reality TV producer was like, get a good shot of him eating that sad bologna sandwich in the corner at the picnic table by himself. Like, why is there footage of that? Yeah, so now it's time to meet Carol Baskin. Hi, I'm Carol Baskin, and I'm the founder and CEO of Big Cat Rescue. We're the world's largest accredited sanctuary that is devoted entirely to caring for big cats. Now, I'm going to say, in the beginning, you have no reason not to believe that this is the case. Here's the thing about Big Cat Rescue. Big Cat Rescue is actually like an accredited sanctuary. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's legit. They have on their website all the credentials. Like, they have all their tax information. However, for some reason, that is true. And it's also true that Carol's a total hypocrite. Yeah. (laughs) And I don't know how that works. Because it doesn't seem like... There's a whole lot of oversight. It seems like in this world, you can get away with anything. Right. And like, I'm getting the sense that the documentary wants Carol to be like our main enemy here when it's like, they're kind of all the same to me right now. That's a really interesting point because Carol is supposed to be the good guy. You know, it seems like Carol is the crusader trying to like rid the world of the Joe Exotics. We haven't even seen Carol on camera yet, but we're just hearing, we're hearing all this stuff about Carol because Joe Exotic on every night at six o'clock on his web series that two people watch, he takes all that time to not talk about conservation of the rainforest, to not talk about how to really save these animals, screaming and threatening Carol Baskin. One thing you're forgetting out there, you animal rights people, and especially Carol Baskin, and that's Carol Baskin down at Big Cat Rescue. It was all part of Carol Baskin's plan with Peter the Carol Baskin. Carol Baskin is so influential that Carol Baskin and Carol Baskin. (laughs) And so I'm just like, okay. Okay, like, but she's just like, I just love the cats. So, like, because she's not screaming back, she just looks more rational right now. Totally, totally. So, we're going to Tampa, Florida, and we're like in the car with the filmmaker, and we're driving up, and the filmmaker sees Carol. (laughs) And he says this thing, and it's so not for the sake of the camera. It's just like he couldn't help himself. It just comes out of him. And he just says under his breath, Oh, she's dressed perfectly. Oh, she's dressed perfectly. And he's right. Yeah. So if you guys haven't watched this, here's what I think. She's dressed like if your mom's neighbor Cheryl went to a costume party dressed like a hippie. Like a cool hippie. Totally. 
I mean, this woman's like easily in her 50s, right? Yeah, it's like Cheryl was like, I'm just going to be a little funky for this right. party. I'm going to dress a little like a hippie because she's wearing like jeans uh-huh. and then this like pink and purple flowy shirt with like leopard print on it and then a headband made of flowers. I did an Insta story today with a Carol filter, which Stop. had like the, it had the hair and the headband and the flowers. It was amazing. Can we have a moratorium on the filters until we know how bad all these people are? I know. <laughs> so Carol is telling us to camera. She's very calm and she's saying that like, in Carol's opinion, I don't necessarily agree. You can only really be good at one thing in life. With saving the cats, it's one thing that I can fix if I can just stay focused on that. So I don't read the newspaper. I don't watch news on television unless there's a cat involved. I think that's going a little to the extreme. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that people do where they just want to prove something so hard. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not good to not be involved in what's going on in the world. And you're also lying because don't you want the laws to change? Like, what are you doing, Carol? But also, as she's sitting there and she's like, I truly, like, in my heart of hearts, really don't think that big cats should be in cages. And then Eric, the filmmaker, zooms out. Carol is sitting in front of a tiger in a cage. I have the exact same note in Jillian's Gonna Hate It Red. You know how I have a color for you in my notes now. I know, I know. And I'm like, she wants to end the captivity of wildcats, but all I see are wildcats in captivity. Carol. I know. And that's my question. Do you know the answer to this? Like, these animals that they're, quote, saving, can they be introduced back into the wild? No, 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 no. So, yeah, that's what I was saying before. So the thing is, if some idiot has an alligator in their bathtub on the Lower East Side and then realizes maybe that's not a good idea, they're a sanctuary or they rescue foxes from fur farms, something horrible. You can't put them back into the wild because an alligator is going to be like, all I know is this two by four apartment on Avenue B, girl. On Avenue B, girl, come on. (laughs) And so there are places where the animals can just run free. And the thing about those places is that you can't like go and meet them and have like big tours of 500 people. And that's what Carol does. Oh my God. We meet Howard Baskin, Carol's husband. Yeah, we, we sure do. This is like the weirdest shot. Howard is following Carol down. She's got this like row of tiles where she's like reading the names of the tigers that have passed on, the big cats that have passed on. This was our oldest cat. Black Mamba was a jaguar. Oki was an ocelot. Champlain was a Canada lynx. And Howard's walking behind her and all of a sudden she gets really annoyed. (laughs) And she does this thing where I'm like, you just know a lot about their dynamic immediately because she's like, you're following me again. (laughs) You want to lead? (laughs) You can read plaques too. She's so mad and so annoyed because she wants to be the star of the scene. She wants to be the savior of the cats. And so he kind of just gets a little too close. And she's like, oh, do you want to read one? Would you like to read a plaque? And he kind of laughs like, no, 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 girl. No, 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 no. I'm so sorry. She goes, you could read one. You want to read one? You could read one. And I'm like, Carol does not want Howard to read one. No, and Howard had this like in his back pocket for a rainy day like this. I think it would be fair to say that Carol is the Mother Teresa of cats. And then she goes, you're so wonderful. (laughs) And I just have in my notes, what is happening? How many times did they rehearse that? How many times was she like, Howard, you better say that line. (laughs) Call me a Mother Teresa. And he's like, okay, but can I read a plaque? And she's like, maybe. (laughs) Oh, my God. We get a little bit of, like, Carol's story. Carol, who, like, saves big cats. Like, it's her life's passion. She only has cat art in her home. She only dresses in cat outfits. Most of what I wear are cat prints. It's almost a uniform. When I go in to talk with a legislator, if I go in there dressed head to toe in cat prints, people remember, oh, that's the person that's going to be all over my case about 
why cats need to be protected. This bitch is allergic to cats. Yeah, which, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I'm like, well, I'm allergic to cats, but I want the big cats to be okay. Right. However, I do not own a single thing of leopard print or cat print. It's unbelievable. And it's all she wears. Her towels, the hand towels, the soap <laughs> container, the this and that. And Eric, the filmmaker, is just like, what about that? The cat luggage, girl. He points out the cat luggage. The luggage, the mouse pad, the this, the that, the kitchen towel. It's everything. She has like video footage of her like when she goes to talk to legislators. She dresses head to toe in cat print so she'll be memorable. And I'm like, girl, we get it. We get it. But she's wrong because she's like, I go to meetings about very like professional legislation, dress in head to toe cat print and she thinks it's a good thing right like she thinks they're gonna be like here she comes let's take her seriously and i'm like girl no they're gonna be like here's that nightmare coming again with the leopard pants on you know a little bit goes a long way in the taste department carol especially when you're trying to get like legislation passed i disagree with the whole like you can't have like piercings and tattoos and be a serious accountant like that's bullshit but carol you have to read the room you have to read the room these crotchety old men aren't gonna listen to you first of all you're a woman so they don't care anyway second of all you're like some kooky zany woman with the leopard print you're not gonna get a goddamn thing done and that sucks but that's the gig (laughs) wow noted are you ready to talk about joe exotics gift shop which is basically a gay sex shop it's a hundred percent if you guys haven't been to any gay sex shop in new york city it's just it's a sight to see as cj craig would say from the west wing it's a sight to see but if you have it imagine like ricky's remember ricky's if you go to like the back room of ricky's it looks like that yes and he's showing us around his gift shop we got honey we got barbecue sauce we have steak sauce skin cream i have sex gel for you and her sex gel the best seller out of this gift shop is actually tiger king underwear line people just go crazy over them because they're all in animal print joe exotic underpants was just like oh my god and like you know what i'm gonna say girl you know the thing that's gonna haunt my dreams (laughs) because of course the fucking filmmaker can't let it go he's like and do you wear these yourself i don't wear underwear (laughs) you don't wear underwear no free ball it (laughs) why do i have to think about that we're right back with stephen avery why do i have to know that julian look if i have to deal with oj every goddamn episode you can deal with someone not wearing underwear once every 50 Fs. I'm just saying, I have to go to bed knowing that Stephen Avery and Joe Exotic both don't wear underpants. Oh God, the similarities now that you're saying that in so many ways. But then he's like, I was on Hollywood Magazine's cover twice. I'm like, what the hell is Hollywood Magazine? That's like something you make at the mall. I know. Then he's like, I have my first two albums that I did. This is my first album, I Saw Tiger, and this is my second album, Starstruck. And there's 28 songs and 16 music videos. I saw Tiger, now I understand. I saw Tiger, Tiger saw me. Tell all the hunters to lay down their guns. You guys, I'm saying it again. I'm going to say it every time. There's no way in hell. I would bet my life, Patrick. I would throw myself off the top. He is not singing those songs. That is not his voice. I know. And so we see one of his videos. We see this kind of like good looking guy with a gun who like turns to the camera. You guys, guess what? It's Joe's husband, John Finlay. Yeah, John Finlay. And um, he's not wearing a shirt for his interview. When I first met Joe, I was like a month out of high school. I was with Joe from 2003 to 2014, so 11 years. He showed me love, and I learned how big my heart was and how much to care. 
So I am beyond confused about this. I have a feeling, I've, and yeah. it's a bad feeling. It's a bad one. Are you okay? Sit down. Yeah. It's a bad one. I think there's a lot of drug addiction yes. here. I have a like. It feels to me that there's a lot of like, I'll feed you with meth, and then you can pet yeah. the tigers and be my husband. It's very yeah. odd. I don't like it at all. It's sad for everybody except for Joe Exotic. No, I agree. But I will say that like this guy John is giving this interview totally shirtless. It doesn't make any sense to me. He says he first met Joe when he was a month out of high school, which I gotta say like young and impressionable and like really does lend credence to your theory that like something beyond like soulmates is happening here. Yeah, it makes me make this face and like rub my temples. Like I don't want it to be what I'm thinking but I have a feeling it's gonna be. But then we get Joe Exotic's coming out story which was kind of powerful. Like definitely he lives in the part of the world where when he was coming out at the age of 13 it could not have been easy. At the age of 13 I knew I was gay and I had a bad time struggling with it. When my father found out, he made me shake his hand in front of my mom and promised not to come to his funeral. So I had a real issue dealing with that. And one night I drove my car off a bridge. When he came out and his dad found out, his dad made him shake his hand in front of his mother and promise not to come to his funeral. Shit like that makes me so fucking angry. And and so far in these two episodes, I think telling that story is the realest he is. Like, I believe every word of that story. Totally. And that's horrible. Yeah, it's so terrible that he tries to take his own life. He tells us that one night he drove his car off a fucking bridge. He spent five years in braces and he had to move to Florida for therapy. And that's where he meets this guy who's like his next door neighbor who's taking in these exotic animals. Mm-hmm. And uh, my neighbor was the manager of Lion Country Safari, and he brought home all the baby lions and baby monkeys and stuff at night to bottle feed. And that's where my attraction to exotic animals really started in. I know that they have a heart and a soul and a mind. I've learned from them, and they do therapy for me. I don't even know if he knows this, but you're seeing pictures of him with these animals. Animals are therapy. We know this is true. This guy, Joe, is going through this horrible time in his life. He's bonding with these like beautiful animals. They're helping him the way that animals do, and he decides he's going to make a business out of it. Right, and there's a part of me that goes back and forth. We're like, so if you really, really loved them, you wouldn't do this to them. Right. You just wouldn't. If you really love them in your heart and soul and mind, like you're saying, it sounds so cliche and I'm laughing at myself, but like you would just let them be free, you know? I know. And this is where I have like the big note in all caps that like you can love these animals and want to take care of them and think that you are. You cannot provide for these animals what they need. It's not natural. It's just not. And you know, we're just like gender is a construct that we totally believe. (laughs) But like when it comes to wild animals, they should not be in a cage in Oklahoma. I'm not budging on it. Don't ask me to. Listen, homosexuality, natural. Owning exotic animals, unnatural. Like one of them is a choice and one isn't. Right. (laughs) Okay. I knew we'd get to the joke. I knew we'd find it. And if you need help figuring out which is which, that's that's a whole other set of problems that we can't help you with. So now I'm begging you. We meet this guy, Doc Antle. I'm not calling him Doc. No, I have Antle. He like claims to be a doctor. Fuck that. He's not a doctor. Fuck him. Fuck this guy. I hate him. Yeah. And so we meet this guy. He's like another Joe Exotic, but he's like, quote, like the classy highbrow Joe Exotic. Okay, girl. So I'm Dr. Bhagavan Antle. B-H-A-G-A-V-A-N Antle. A-N-T-L-E. Dr. Bhagavan Antle. 
I am the director of the Myrtle Beach Safari and the Rare Species Fund. This Antle guy thinks he is like the epitome of like, I'm the coolest guy in the room because he tries to direct this documentary about 15 times. It's unreal. And so he's directing like how to say hi and they're just going to go with it. But the film is like showing the planning of it. We're going to film, you know, this is my crib here. You should go to the front door and I'll go open it and say, hi, how you doing? Come in. Okay, good idea. Okay, so just- I like that Doc is better at directing than we are. Hey. How you doing, guys? Hi, it's Eric. Good. How are you? Doing nice good. Come here. on in. So he does this thing where he like his like real normal voice is like, so what should we do? Like, you want to come in here? Yeah, just knock and then I'll open and then I'll be fine. And then he's like, hi, how are you? And then he's like Troy McClure all of a sudden. Like, but he wants it to look natural. But the documentary is just like, bitch, we're showing both. We're showing all sides. I know. And so he's like literally to camera. He's saying like, I'm just a really big deal, you guys. I am popular. I am so well known as big cat guy around the world. The people who are against people having relationships with animals, period, want to destroy me because I am out there in the forefront so known of being this guy that is in love with big cats and has them love him back. The Carol Baskins of the world are just trying to like bring me down and all I'm trying to do is like do really good work. Cause he's one of these assholes who wants us to believe that he has a mission, that like his whole idea is that- We believe these incredible up close experiences makes a connection between them and the wild world, opening their hearts and their wallets for us to do our worldwide conservation work. It's an educational opportunity and it's a way to get the kids to care about the rainforest and like saving the planet so we can save the animals. And it's not. He's just a fucking like we're going to learn down the road. He's like a dirty old man cult leader who's just trying to like make a cheap buck. And the thing is, this whole bullshit of like, you know, we use the baby tigers to get everyone's attention so we can teach them about the rainforest. And then it's like, bitch, no one is paying attention to you because all we hear is, ooh, ah, about the baby tiger. No one is listening to you ramble about the rainforest. And if that's really what you wanted to do, a proceeds of the money would go to the rainforest or you'd make it more of a spectacle you'd make people have to sit through a 15 minute movie before they got to see the tigers or something but you're not doing that because you're full of shit totally and we also learn he's in the car with the filmmaker and we learn that what is the cost of admission here 339 is the start price right there's people that paid 625 655 for their tours today you know because it's dynamic price like an airline ticket that the price goes up according to how many people are coming on. He's not trying to do any good in the world. He's just trying to make as much fucking money as possible. Right, and then scream about how, like, people are just trying to take him down because everyone's so jealous of him. Please. So at this point, we get the Joe backstory. Like, how did he get here? And we find out that, like, he sort of, like, develops this show of, like, traveling carnies, it feels like. They're, like, in this big Mack truck going from mall to mall, bringing these tigers. And Joe's husband, John, is telling us that, like... I mean, there were times that we may have made... 10 grand at the mall. And there was times that we were doing 20, 30, 40 grand. You guys, at these gigs, we'd make anywhere from $10,000 to $40,000. So this is where Carol Baskin and her husband Howard really start to plant the seeds for their hatred of Joe. This is like back in the day. Because they start reaching out to the malls and like pressuring them not to let Joe and his people come. And they get these like crazy email writing campaigns and letter writing campaigns and phone calls. Now, years ago when Carol first started doing this, we might generate 500 emails. And as our online audience grew and our supporter base grew this gradually got up to thousands of emails sometimes as many as five or six thousand emails and one by one these malls started 
refusing to have him back. And they basically start like losing gigs for Joe and his family. And that's when Joe has to go like establish the zoo and this rivalry with Carol. And let me tell you, again, two episodes in, Carol is one zillion percent right. Yeah. It's insane that who was paying them $40,000 to let kids hold tiger cubs? Like it's insane. Exactly. And so we get that guy, Antle. We get his backstory, which is like he grew up in a family of cowboys. He like moves to Virginia and studies with this yogi. And again, girl, how many episodes have we covered where yoga is just so fucking creepy? And it sucks because like the practice of it isn't like I know people who love it and have gotten like so much help from it. But the people who are just like this idiot who's probably born like, I don't know, Robert something who's like, I'm Dr. Bhagavan (laughs) Antle. Like, that's not your name. Like the thing that sucks about Antle and it sucks about like just like, oh, society, huh? Wow. What a bummer. (laughs) Is that like Antle is like on the Joy Goddamn Behar show talking about how cool it is to keep wild animals. And he's the only guy who can do it right. And like Leno has him on, but Leno's a piece of shit anyway. But, you know. I love your rivalry with the late night talk show hosts. I want to know that there's some insane backstory there. But every time they come up, I feel like you have the ones you like and the ones that are on your list. Uh, Leno's on my list. I just think it's like boring, safe. I think it's real shitty what he did. I don't know. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not. It's the wrong podcast. But you know, when you see all these animals on the late night shows and Letterman did it too, if we're going to be fair, it just sucks. And it makes people think like, oh, so we can go to Oklahoma and do exactly that. That was on CBS at 11 o'clock last night. Cool. And that sucks. Yeah. Look at me how young I am there on Letterman. Man. Go back. Go back. We might as well do Letterman real quick. Here I am long ago on The Late Show with David Letterman. I've got my big panther there, Shadow. Jay brought us out into the forefront of people. He got to meet my animals like no one else had ever done. The world's biggest cat coming on there. So, you know, this is where Joe is sort of bragging to the camera. Like, these tigers are the most valuable when they're babies. Like, for the first 12 weeks of their lives, when, like, people can actually hold them and take pictures with them, like, that's when they're the most valuable. From the time that they're four weeks old to the time that they're 16 weeks old, you can profit a hundred thousand dollars on that cup. Interaction, playtimes, photos. He's like, you can profit like $100,000 on that cub in just that time. So they keep breeding them to have more babies. And then what do you do with them when they're older? And then Carol is here to tell us, yeah, after the cubs are like 16 weeks old, these owners basically have no use for them anymore. They get too big. They can really do damage to the kids. They can't play with the kids. People who pimp out tiger cubs can only use them from the time that they're a few weeks old until they're about 12 weeks old. And when they get to be that age, they can take a finger off. And it's at this age where Carol and her refuge steps in and like this is why she's adopting all these tigers. So further to Carol's point, we learn about this town, Zanesville, Ohio, in 2011 because all of a sudden, one day in the middle of this town, like 911 is getting all these calls. Yeah, there's a lion on Mount Perry Road in Grayshot. It was heading west in a hurry. Looks like a jaguar or a wolf or something random wild ant like jaguars and tigers and baboons are like roaming free in the town and it turns out what had happened was sheriff matt lutz said 50 wild animals kept on a private farm had been deliberately set loose one baboon three mountain lions and 18 tigers this guy had been keeping exotic pets on his property he had 50 of them and just out of the the darkness of his soul he released them all he just let them all go the result of it was the local cops killed 40 
eight of these 50 animals. Which is like, that's the shit that makes me crazy. And also, they're not pets. I know. Like, when you say exotic pets, they're not pets. Yeah. They're just wild animals. Like Right. And the whole point of that story is a setup for this interview with Joe Exotic on the news. They're talking about how, you know, in Ohio, after that happened, it became illegal to have exotic animals as pets. And so, of course, if you're Joe Exotic or this fucking asshole monster, like, that's going to rock your world. Like, the fear that that might happen across the country, it would ruin your business. And so the news sits down with Joe. It's CBS This Morning. Like, it's not the local news. It's like that show CBS This Morning that's national. They're giving this guy so much airtime. It's crazy. To say the most insane thing because the guy says to him, The president of the Humane Society called this place, and I quote, a ticking time bomb and potentially 10 times worse than Zanesville. He's like, let me tell you how I'm a ticking time bomb. It is a ticking time bomb. If somebody thinks they're going to walk in here and take my animals away, it's going to be a small Waco. That's a terrifying statement in and of itself. And then we see it backed up with this guy, Joe Exotic, just like on his property with all of his guns, acting crazy and setting things on fire. And then we're seeing footage of Waco. If you haven't listened to that episode of our podcast, go listen to it because it's fucking crazy. crazy. And like, you know, then we get the sheriff who we met. His name is Rhodes and he's like I don't like this Waco comparison one bit girl I, th- yeah. this is scary and it's very telling that like Joe is paranoid it's us versus them he's ready to fight he has the weapons one of the things that keeps me awake at night is the park you're an animal rights person and you try and come into this facility this is what you're going to be greeted with episode kind of ends with Carol. I just have in my big notes all like all of a sudden like oh my god is Carol a total hypocrite because like this is what Joe Exotic and Antle want us to know about Carol. Everything that she's coming after us for doing almost everything she's doing too. I just called her plain out hypocrite. You're open to the public. You're doing bone tours, night tours, day tours, kid tours, kid camps, weddings, you name it. I'm 100% on that side. However, Joe Exotic takes to his YouTube channel that nobody watches and threatens to kill Carol, says he's going to ship her poisonous snakes on her birthday. Spoiler, he does it. We hear it's Carol's birthday next month, and we're shipping her two of these. (laughs) Look at the fangs on that. One day I went out to open up the mailbox and it just exploded with snakes. I was thinking about this story when you were telling me that your mom feels the same way about snakes that I do because she tells the story about going to open her mail one day and like a pack of wild snakes jump out. Can you imagine? I know. And Joe's like, that was me. Like, so yeah. he, he is making these <laughs> threats in public on the internet, very Googleable at the time. I'm sure they're all yeah. taken down now. But the point is that Joe is like, I hate her. I'm going to kill her and I'm going to kill her. And it might be with snakes or I might just shoot her <laughs> or something, but I'm going to get her. For Carol... And all of her friends that are watching out there. Before you bring me down, it is my belief that you will stop breathing. The end, it cuts back. It says four years later, and it's Grady County Jail, Oklahoma City, 2019. And Joe is in jail. And I just have Joe is in jail. Thank fucking God. Yeah. And with no irony whatsoever, this bitch has the nerve to (laughs) look me in the face if she could, but she's in jail, so she can't. And complain (laughs) about what it's like to be in a cage. I'm in a cage. You know why animals die in cages? Their soul dies. And it ends like with this ominous like bum 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 and it ends with him being like I'm not going to be accused and go to prison and lose everything I have for things that other people did. Before this is over with, I'm going to shut down on everybody. 
before this is over with, I'm going to shut down everybody. And I'm like, oh, she has dirt on everybody because they were all in cahoots. Big shock. Am I supposed to be surprised by that? Everyone knows each other's dirty laundry because we're all doing it together. God. Thanks for checking out Tiger King episode one. Look, all seven episodes plus a recap episode that you and I did just of us recapping our recap. They're all available right now and ad free at the $5 level on the Patreon. Yeah. What a, what a roller coaster, huh? What a journey. I know. It's, it's weird to call it a roller coaster because it was just like hatred and trauma all the way through for me, but it was still a little up and down, which sounds weird to say now that I'm saying it myself. And uh, yeah, the Carol Baskin, she, she becomes alive on my end of the microphone <laughs> as the it's true. It's true. go on and on. <laughs> on the Patreon, you guys, it's 140 plus full bonus episodes. Download and binge ad-free right now. All of that at the $5 level. If you're looking for more to make you laugh, that's where you go and just hang out with us on the Pates. Lady Pates is waiting for you. All are welcome. Just come, yeah. come in. All are welcome. All right, we love you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We love you. 